Welcome into another episode of the Young Turks podcast. Ahmed Gafir and Mason Viner. Ahmed, let's get right to it. Let's go inside the bag. Turks hot on the trail, and they have their first portal commit. Yeah, and uh, it was a big one for Maryland, picking up uh, former Bowling Green cornerback Jalen Husky, uh, six foot, one hundred eighty-five pound cornerback uh, who, who completed his uh, high school career over at Quince Orchard uh, on three, had him rated as the fourth best cornerback. Uh, in the transfer portal, uh, I believe I saw another outlet had him as the second best, but um, really a guy that as soon as he went into the portal, um, you know, I texted a couple people and I even posted on the site that, you know, I kind of expect Maryland to, to kind of be involved here. Um, and sure enough, you know, Maryland was immediately doing their homework. Um, Maryland, Oklahoma, uh, I believe Kentucky was that third school that was kind of in the mix for him. But frankly, you know, Maryland was the first school that that uh, he wanted to take an official visit to. Uh, and if all checked out, you know, multiple people told me that he didn't have a reason to check out any other schools. And uh, sure enough, got a chance to talk to him on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the visit went great, checked off all the boxes and you know, a couple hours later went public with this pledge. So uh, losing Tarheep still, Jaquan Shepard uh, following the 2023 season. Uh, Husky definitely has a chance to come in, be that impact cornerback, and uh, definitely a big, big uh, portal commitment and might end up going down as one of the bigger uh, additions this offseason. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the biggest, if you look at it from the defensive side of the ball, definitely the biggest position of need for the Terps along with the offensive line, uh, adding a first-team All-Mac player, and then Ahmed, uh, seeing a guy that graduated Quinn Orchard commit back to the Terps, obviously a lot of positives for Loxley and company. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you know, I think just getting getting the local guys back home. And I think it's also just kind of interesting, you know, I think two years ago, you know, it was kind of um, warranted, you know, whether or not, you know, he, he was he kind of shown that he was able to make that power five jump. But there was no doubt that, you know, if you were around uh, MoCo football, you heard about Jalen Husky, about what he was able to do, about um, just his impact. Um, and again, you know, I just kind of think in, in those two years, uh, he's been able to show that at Bowling Green, obviously coming off that 2023 season. So again, it's all about, you know, I feel like uh, every single time there's a local kid that goes into the portal, whether he he looked at Maryland or not, you know, at least one person will send, uh, send it over to me and say, hey, you know, is he Maryland bound? And I'll always say, you know, it's about Maryland taking the right guys, uh, the guys that want to be home for the right reasons, not because, you know, Maryland is, oh, hey, I, I still want to stay power five. You know, I think, again, this was a, a kind of a perfect match. And like you said, you know, doing it with the QO guy, um, I don't think that there's really – much of a chop post chop Robinson like uh, hangover or anything. Like that. I think that that's kind of that that's been settled. But definitely to add a QO guy, a Moco guy, a local guy, and a guy that I expect to be an impact guy over these last two years um, bodes well. Just like you know, Gotti Edzi, Danelle Brown, uh, Corey Bullock, all those guys, Caden uh, Prather, uh, all all local guys who uh, joined the program through the transfer portal and uh, played pivotal roles. Yeah, and the Terps definitely need some pivotal. Roll type help at corner. They also pick up another safety from St. John's. Yeah, Shamar McIntosh. He was a guy that uh, kind of through the fall, it seemed like ever since he visited for that Virginia game, uh, Maryland was going to kind of eventually be the school for him. Um, had uh, the Temple involved as well. He took an official visit there uh, the first week in December. Uh, but Maryland was really the, 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 the kind of the school that led kind of throughout uh, the main Power Five school um, that was in contact with him. And I remember talking to a source right after he visited for the Virginia game and they mentioned, you know, he's a locks type guy. Uh, and I thought it was really interesting that, you know, even Maryland was telling him, Hey, you know, see number 13, that safety Glenn Miller, 
you know, that that's kind of the comp that we see you fitting in into the secondary as because when you watch McIntosh, uh, that's exactly the way he plays, I think, as well. So um, Jalen Husky, I don't think I mentioned, he'll enroll in June or sorry, in January. Uh, McIntosh will enroll in June. Uh, but definitely, I think Husky's more of a guy where you expect him to be an immediate impact. I think McIntosh, just kind of also with the way the safety room is set up a little bit with uh, Dante Trader Jr. and uh, uh, Glenn Miller, uh, expected to lead the room again. Uh, I think McIntosh is kind of step is able to kind of step in and maybe have a year or two, but um, filling in that second safety role uh, alongside four-star safety, uh, Brandon Jacob in the 2024 class was a one of the you know not not a top priority but a priority uh to close out the cycle yeah the Terps certainly finding a player that you know plays the style that that we've come accustomed to at safety and possibly another one of those tandems coming up with Jacob and McLintosh uh at, at that spot one guy that's hard hitting another guy that flies around the field makes plays I mean a position that you got to start developing. You got to get guys in the system. That's what we saw with Glenn Miller. That's why I think they're so comfortable with him stepping up. Uh, the Terps uh, adding one of those pieces. And hey, with the guys hitting the portal, you know, there's always an opportunity that could be popping up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's also pretty interesting. Like I remember uh, having a conversation with Behem Delaney in, in August and just kind of just asking him, hey, what, you know, what, what kind of your thoughts about Maryland? And, you know, he's a, obviously he's a DB and he was bringing up, hey, you know, I've taken notice of. Maryland producing, you know, a couple cornerbacks in the NFL and, you know, they'll be able to potentially add two more this year. We'll, we'll kind of see where it's our heat still. Uh, Jaquan Shepard are kind of slotted where they where they ended up uh, end up landing in April. But um, I think Maryland also kind of being able to do that kind of helps uh, bolster their claim a little bit. Yeah, and lots of other names to get to. Ahmed, uh, what are the Terps looking at in the portal right now? Yeah, it was definitely a busy weekend. Uh, former Indiana center Zach Carpenter was on campus as well. He was a guy that uh, sounds like things went pretty well with him. Uh, former Florida State offensive lineman Quayshon Sapp uh, got a chance to get hosted by his former college teammate Quayshon Fuller uh, throughout the weekend. Uh, Drake Dabney, he was probably going to be one of the top uh, transfer portal tight ends. He's probably um, right up there along Corey Deitches, ironically. Uh, but he was also able to make his way to campus uh, alongside his parents as well. So um, we're going to see on that. You know, I think those are kind of um, – some of the some of the newer names once they kind of entered the portal uh, this last week, but obviously the offensive line, Zach Carpenter, uh, definitely a big priority, um, especially with that center spot being wide open. Um, and then obviously MJ Morris, the NC State quarterback, took his official visit starting on Thursday, left campus on Saturday. Uh, sounds like there's you know a lot of a lot of confidence that you know Maryland um, is in a good spot with him. Uh, has three years of eligibility left. Uh, and is able to enroll in January. So uh, I think there was a lot of a, a chance that, you know, you get a chance to see a lot of a lot of quarterbacks start to fall uh, the beginning on Monday. Uh, I kind of had my MJ Morris commitment watch uh, beginning today. So we'll, we'll kind of see uh, what shakes out the rest of the week. But uh, I feel pretty good about where Maryland stands there. Yeah, over on the high school trail, Ahmed, the Terps. So with a couple guys you have hot – uh, over on the board on inside the black and gold.net, starting off with uh, another offensive lineman, Logan Bennett from St. Francis. Yeah, I mentioned him. You know, it's every time, you know, he, he's come up, you know, he's a guy that, you know, first jumped out junior year. Um, and it seemed like ever since, you know, it seemed like once Michigan State, you know, once the, the, I wouldn't say the dust really settled, but once it became pretty apparent that, you know, there was going to be some pretty major shakeups, you know, Bennett kept his mind open a lot more, was open a lot more visits. Um, Maryland stayed in contact kind of throughout, but uh, once he visited for the 
Penn State game, uh, I thought Maryland was really in a great spot with him. Uh, was able to make his way to campus this past weekend uh, for his official visit, whole family uh, alongside him. So um, still feel great about him. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what comes into the next couple of days as well. And uh, Flowers cornerback Braden Lee, he's another obviously top target there. Um, got a chance to make his way to campus, and he spoke very glowingly, and he was pretty open with me, you know, this weekend. Wasn't as much about him uh, as more it was, you know, for his mom to get a chance to sit down with the coaching staff, sit down with Loxley, sit down with Baker. Uh, Baker obviously being a huge driving force in this recruitment. Um, so I think Maryland's doing well. Obviously, he mentioned uh, South Carolina will be in home for him on Tuesday. Maryland should be in there afterwards as well. So. Maryland's been doing a really, really good job with him staying hot uh, throughout the fall. And obviously with uh, about, you know, seven, eight days left uh, until signing day, I think Maryland has a great shot at flipping him. Uh, so we'll kind of see how the, the dust settles there. Uh, probably the wild card coming out of the weekend is Bishop McNamara, defensive end, Lugard, Edopayi. Uh, he's a guy that Maryland kind of had to surge for late. Uh, Maryland made the top five for him, but a couple of times, you know, even when, when Maryland uh, was kind of showing interest. The the the, the contact wasn't always there. Uh, you know, Minnesota was a school that jumped in early, but doesn't seem like they're a serious contender down the stretch. Rutgers hosted him for an official visit, um, and Maryland was kind of able to capitalize on his official visit uh, plans this past weekend. Originally scheduled to visit Texas A and M, uh, but obviously with Mike Elko there taking over uh, with that coaching change, uh, those. Uh, uh, the two sides kind of parted ways there, um, and and Maryland was kind of able to kind of, like I said, just kind of capitalize, take advantage. So we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure that Maryland is able to really turn the tide. I think he hits uh, Michigan and then Florida State to close out this week, and then both those schools have done a good job. Once they hit the mix, uh, they were hard on him. Uh, Tennessee was a school that was trying to get into the mix as well. Um, so I think, Again, I think wild card is a pretty accurate label to, to kind of get to. So um, those are kind of the, the priority names to keep tabs on uh, coming out of this past weekend. And then uh, to look ahead to next weekend, signing day, uh, obviously linebacker Jeremiah Marcellin, kind of 1A, 1B with Braden Lee there in terms of uh, top flip targets. Uh, and then you have four-star defensive lineman. Uh, Ernest Wallor, he should be taking his official visit uh, this upcoming weekend with Wisconsin, the other contender. Uh, defensive lineman Cam Jones, another uh, uh, local guy from uh, St. Mary Riken there, uh, as well as uh, Juco lineman Quay McBroom. So uh, should be another uh, big portal weekend as well. So um, expect, uh, expect a busy next eight, nine days for Maryland. Yeah, if, if Maryland somehow finds a way to pick up Derek Queen and Willar in, in the next uh, coming months, so it'll be two absolutely strange recruitments that Maryland uh, – Certainly has a shot in as they both come down the line. Yeah, I'd say Willor is probably one of the weirder recruitments that I've kind of covered over this stretch. But um, just overall, I think just the the buzz really coming out this weekend felt like Maryland did a really good job, kind of hit it out the park with really a lot of these guys. So I think Maryland has a chance to really generate some momentum over these next couple of days. I think the wild card, obviously, I didn't mention his name, but it's Jordan Seaton, who pulled the trigger on Colorado last week. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll – see what happens you know again uh for me um he needs to step on campus for me to to kind of believe the the hype right now but um again uh, maryland's been in the mix for him for uh, i've said it multiple times but it's been a, a four-year pursuit there so um i'm sure when uh, loxley heard uh, uh seaton talk about you, you, why not play for a guy that looks like you he uh raised an eyebrow a little bit so we'll see what the next uh, eight days look like we sure will as that early signing period opens. Uh, 
eight days from now. Uh, on the rest of the football side, Terps push back uh, Bowl Media Day with the Music City Bowl coming up to next Tuesday, December 19th. Ahmed uh, and myself will have all your coverage for that on InsideTheBlackAndGold.net. The Terps also see two portal entries today. Riyad Wilmot and Ramon Brown enter the portal. Ahmed Wilmot gives the Terps four years. Uh, Ramon Brown, sort of, you almost had to figure somebody in that running back room was going to depart. Yeah, and again, it just felt like, you know, um, you know, with Ramon Brown, I think that's obviously the big name there. Um, and again, it just felt like a log jam, you know, Nolan Ray behind him, um, Dewan Williams coming in there. So I uh, think you, you know, not, not saying either of those guys, I expected to really take reps uh, from Ramon Brown, but, you know, Ramon Brown uh, this year, you know, battled injuries among some other things and uh, that kind of uh, limited him a little bit there and showed signs as a freshman that they had a lot of hope, had a lot of promise, but it was just kind of, you know, something kind of had to give in that running back room. Um, I was really interested to see, you know, whether it was going to be after this offseason or uh, after spring ball, but I definitely expected Summer Trisha and Ramon Brown. It was was kind of one of those guys that I expected uh, or kind of had my eyes on. Um, so nothing really more to it there. I think, you know, just kind of um, just nature, nature of college football and, and uh, just the, the way the position kind of stacked up. But uh, Riyad Wilmot, I think, is kind of a guy that over the last two years, I think, especially this 23 season, uh, has kind of been able to, to, to show himself as a rotational piece. But uh, I think Maryland has some pieces coming back, obviously. Danelle Brown expected back. Kellen White expected back outside. So um, Neil Avery, you know, as well. I know he's been sidelined through the regular season you know i think there's a chance we see him for the bowl game but uh you know we'll, we'll see again you know we'll be on campus for bowl practice uh next tuesday we'll have plenty more there but um again that that should be a piece that you get a chance to see some of these younger guys maybe dj samuels uh take advantage in the bowl game yeah certainly will be a lot of opportunities out there locks is going to play a lot of guys uh in that music city bowl Wilmot definitely got a shot this year to flash. You know, you said it. He showed as a rotational piece, strong against the run, battled a little bit of injury uh, throughout Big Ten play. But ultimately, I think Loxley is looking for Donnell Brown, looking for Kellen Wyatt to really take over because one thing that they can do that Wilmot was weak at is rush the passer. That's something that this team's going to really need to find. Obviously, they lost one guy, Jayshon Barham, that showed the ability to do that but they're going to be looking for Neo Avery, for Dylan Gooden, for some of these guys they brought in now to step up that can show the the complete package as far as that uh, Jack or Sam linebacker spots go where they really have got to find a way to get to the quarterback if they want to be really successful on the next level uh, and, and take that defense to where, where it definitely can get to but has shown flashes of. Yeah, and again, I think the, the front seven just kind of as a whole going into next year, you know, I mentioned it. For subscribers, um, you know, you look at the defensive line, you know, you have Tommy A, Tyzee Johnson, Quayshon Fuller, Jordan Phillips, all these guys expected back once more. Uh, but, you know, you're looking at, you know, kind of retooling, you know, that, you know, two years ago, Henry Jabuzzi, this past year, Trey Colbert, you know, finding that, you know, plug and play guy. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, but the, just the front seven as a whole, kind of Maryland is in a good spot. Um, I just don't expect Maryland to really, outside of, you know, in the, the, that finding that Trey Colbert replacement, not sure that I see Maryland really moving the needle there. But like you mentioned, you know, I think some of these younger guys, you know, Neo Avery, you know, I think uh, everybody that, that is familiar with what Neo's been able to show as a pass rusher, um, you, that provides a lot of depth there, I think. 
think it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out next year between him, Colin Wyatt, Danelle Brown, and just kind of how um, how all three of them are used or um, whether, you know, Colin Wyatt's, you know, has his hands in the dirt there within the trenches there. So it'll be really interesting. But again, you know, I think uh, Maryland's in a good spot. Riyad Wilmot had been able to show flashes, but again, you know, uh, one sack, 12 tackles, 10 games. Um, I think Maryland will be able to uh, to find that production elsewhere. Yeah, you just scratched the surface. I mean, you could even dig it down another level. LeVon Johnson, Dylan Fontes, DJ Samuels. Like, there's a lot of talent that Maryland has kind of filled that gap for from that huge class they took of mostly local guys that departed fairly quickly after. And now I think you're seeing come what it's like unbelievable to say what will be year six of, of Mike Loxley. You'll start to see some of those depth pieces and being able to show, you know, a complete front seven, something that I think fans – and people that just watch this program have chased for years to have more than four guys that that actually belong out there in Big Ten play. But next year, there's a lot of hope for that. But still plenty of time between the portal, spring ball, injury. I mean, it's Maryland somehow, somehow, some way. There may be some change there. Yeah. And again, you know, I think, you know, I've, ta- I've talked about this with the portal. You know, it's not always as much as, you know, oh, what is everyone thinking after the season? Of course, you know, you have your player meetings and players leave and things like that. The, the the half of the battle sometimes is, you know, figuring out which guys are staying, obviously, but then, you know, when you add a guy, you know, or, you know, what's the, is there a domino impact? You know, what's the, is there, are other guys thinking about leaving? Um, so it's, it's constant. Um, but again, you know, I think it's, uh, I've tried to, every time I talk about the roster certainties and all that stuff, I try and say, you know, as of now or as of Sunday night, because then that stuff is fluid. But uh, as of now, you know, I think there's, there's a lot to like. I think if Maryland's able to find another cornerback, uh, you know, a, a guy maybe similar to Jalen Husky, this defense is looking pretty good. Yeah, it, it definitely has that potential. And now, I mean, Ahmed, you just said it. There's all the selling points you need for your, like, Trey Colbert replacement, your corner potential, potential nickelback. I mean, whatever they want to bring in to this, they can start selling, you know, we're legitimately one guy away. I mean, you turn on the film, most of those guys are returning look, you lose your defensive MVP, or I guess not Hippolyte ends up with that MVP, but you lose one of your award end of season award winners of Bo Braid, who's a clear guy that's going to the league. Again, another selling point to a defensive back is just what, what this program has been able to do as far as putting guys on the NFL radar. And Dante Trader is another one of those guys that's coming back next year that you can use to, you know, sell that point even further, the support you're going to get from the safeties as a defensive back. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree again. I think, you know, the conversation now is just, it's different. And and you, you mentioned it, you know, in terms of like players and things like that, you know, I, I point back to, you know, you know, just Maryland as a whole, you know, you look to these last two years, uh, their performances against the big dogs and whatnot, you know, I know we've talked about it, but just there, there are plays away at this point. So Maryland can still go to the portal and say, Hey, you know, like, you know, we're, we're seven plays away. We're seven plays away from beating from, you know, having different fate against, you know, Ohio state, Michigan, uh, Penn State, for example, um, you know, you're you're the guy that can make the difference for X, Y, and Z reasons. Um, and again, you know, Maryland's done a really good job coming out of this weekend. You know, there's a lot of good coaches on here, but that do a good job recruiting. And uh, I think a lot of these guys kind of been able to see that. So um, all about finding the right guys. But again, you know, I think there's a lot to, to, to figure out kind of where that settles. But um, again, defense. Thank you. I think if you're able to find that second corner, I think that just the defense as a whole looks looks really good. But um, just right now, you know, a lot of a lot of experience pieces that you look at um, and you look at, you know, going into 2023, you know, Brian Williams touched on it. He benefited from, you know, 
him his him going into year two of his scheme, his defense. And granted, you know, he's been here for year for year five now. Um, but for for guys to to kind of know what to expect, have those transfers come in, kind of be you know the, the kind of the leader for the next wave of guys. I think that that kind of helps kind of maintain uh, what to expect on the defensive side of the ball. So again, I think a lot to like. Um, but uh, chance chance that Maryland adds on the offensive side. So uh, like I said a couple of times, it'll be interesting to see how the next eight days unfold. It sure will. Oh, it'll be interesting to see how the next week unfolds. Yeah, forget that extra day. I mean, you know, the extra day is Loxley's day, though, that first day that uh, signing period. So. I, I have like seven, eight articles in drafts right now, and we'll, we'll see how many I have by Friday. Yeah, it, it's it's that time of year, you know. It, it's yeah. it's just it's coming down to the wire, and Maryland's always going to make moves at the end. Everybody knows that. So there's probably one article that you don't have in the drafts that will just appear out of nowhere. Yeah, probably, and that's uh, that's what we like to call anxiety. Yeah, it is. Or or some random five star, four star running back with a hot air balloon committing to a team that yeah, man, that, that space commitment that will that will forever just blow my mind. That was uh, that was did, weird. That was did weird. that guy do anything? Did he ever make it anywhere? He went to UCF, and I think he played against for UCF. I think he played against Maryland actually, but I don't remember. Don't know if he did anything or if he became, uh, you know, uh, the latest victim of the transfer portal. Yeah. Who knows? But, uh, we'll see. It'll be an interesting one. Flipping it over to basketball Terps, uh, pick up their first big 10 win of the season last week, a 81 75 overtime win over Penn state. Ahmed, uh, Terps fall behind early shooting woes come back, but ultimately Jameer young and Juju Reese carry Maryland. Yeah, I mean, you just kind of figure that, you know, Maryland at home, you you, you kind of assume that Maryland's going to eventually kind of figure it out, get it together, and, and do enough. But, man, they just do not make it easy on themselves. Um, obviously, uh, he led by Jul- uh, Julian Reese, Jameer Young there. And Jameer Young there to, to finish with 44 minutes in the end when day before Kevin Willard mentioned, you know, he's questionable, uh, hadn't practiced all week because of an ankle injury, uh, ended up going – Halfway through practice that Tuesday, so uh, gutsy performance by him, but uh, not a surprise. You know, Julian Reese, Jameer Young uh, lead the way. Uh, Jamie Kaiser is the third person to figure finish in double figures, um, but just not much production. Poor shooting from three, um, but uh, I think think what stuck out was Maryland's dominance on the board despite uh, going against against uh, Kudis Wahab. Yeah, uh, that's just such a blast from the past. What is that? His is that his fourth or third school of his college career? Another guy, constant victim of the transfer portal. Yeah, I think this uh, well, it's technically his third, but fourth move because he went Georgetown, Maryland, Georgetown, Penn State. So, yeah, that, that says it all. He picks up five fouls in the second half, nonetheless, yeah, was, Maryland. That was that was something, man. I Honestly, I, you got to be – I don't know how many times you've really seen that. I mean, he played – hey, he played 12 minutes. How do you pick up five fouls in 12 minutes? In the second half, that's that's got to be some type of record, but um, only Demonte Dodd and Kudus Wahab. If yeah. you don't notice, if you listen to the show a lot, I do love the Demonte Dodd stat line of like four fouls, eight rebounds, zero points, um, and then like over four from the free throw line. But it's funny because first half he played well. Um, you know, he, he kind of looked assertive. He looked fluid at times. And I was like, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I was rooting for him. I was like, damn, good for you, Q. Yeah, I, I was saying that too. I was like, you know what? This guy's actually averaging close to double digits a game, yeah. picking up rebounds, getting a lot of minutes. I, 
hope he, I'm going to assume he's going to find some opportunity to play professional basketball somewhere on this planet next year. I, I just can't imagine him not finding that as he's developed somewhat of an offensive game. So, but I don't really know what there is to say about this team at this point. They're last in the conference in the net rankings going into this point. They have two games uh, coming up in the next couple of days against teams that are just really, really bad basketball teams before that trip to UCLA. And look, you said it, you know, at home, they seem to find a way to figure it out on the road. They don't. And the same things continue. They can't shoot the three. Their field goal percentage overall is, is just worsening game after game. They're, not a great free throw shooting team, especially on the road. So it's hard to win games when you when you can't really score that many points. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, really, really the only things that I can kind of take away are the shootings over the, these next two games. Um, because again, you, you, you're kind of, it's an overmatched opponent. Um, inside, you kind of expect Juju Reese to do what he does, Jameer Young to be able to feast. Um, but again, yeah, like you said, you know, just the, the poor shooting. Uh, I think that's just an overall concern. Um, you know, 16 turnovers again against Penn State. You know, uh, the, a lot of this the stat lines just feel very similar game in game out. Which again, I think the, the, that's kind of credit to the rebounding margin. Um, Maryland being able to control the glass the way it did, uh, finishing with uh, what was it 23? Yeah, 23 offensive rebounds there. Um, so I think that that's something that to, to kind of hang your hat on. And you know, we'll touch on a post game um, having uh, Dante Scott at the three, uh, Jordan Geronimo at the four, and then Juju at the five. Obviously, uh, that's a uh, you know you know, rebounding, uh, a good, good rebounding lineup there. So it's kind of what you expect so to kind of have that success um, be able to control the paint like that is kind of what the, I guess the key to victory, but um, there's just until Maryland can, can show that they can shoot or, or pose any type of threat uh, outside the paint. It's just, it's tough to feel optimistic on this team. It is a couple of positives. I think Jamie Kaiser jr. Looks a lot more comfortable out there on the court. He, he reaches double digits. Uh, at the end of the game, I think Deshaun Harris-Smith sort of, you know, n- not his best game at all, but late in the game showed the ability to just drive the basket really hard and, and force some fouls. So, again, positives where you can find them right now for this team is on the offensive side of the floor. Uh, one thing that I got to point out is, you know, some of just the boneheaded plays that that Maryland makes there, most notably Jahari Long's foul at the end of regulation. You just don't need to commit a flow, full-blown pass interference uh, call and, and with no time left on the clock and foul a guy before he even touches the ball. Um, late turnovers also, poor free throw shooting. Just those plays are always going to get, you know, the fans riled up. But I think, you know, you just you can't do that. I, I don't really know what the guy is thinking in that situation. I feel that that's just kind of a sign of the season at this point. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, when that happened, it was um, it was just kind of like the uh, come on man moment, honestly, that's, that's kind of what it felt like. And um, kind of made you wonder if Maryland kind of lost all momentum, lost the air out of, of the, in, in them uh, going into overtime. But I think, you know, Willard touched on it. I think losing Q uh, once he fell out, I thought that kind of helped shift the tide there, but um, yeah, just goes back to Maryland, just not making it easy on themselves. And unfortunately good play, good teams don't make those types of plays. Um, Maryland just has not shown that it can be a good team yet, uh, which is why it's really tough to move the needle until that UCLA game. And granted, that UCLA game right now is looking like a quad two game, but, you know, when all of a sudden Dan probably ends up being quad one. Um, But, you know, again, you know, Maryland, Maryland has to prove it at this point. 
Yeah, they do. And in, in that UCLA game, step one. And then obviously the Big Ten, which is not looking strong at all, which plays in the opposite of Maryland's favor yeah. at this point. Um, you got to be thinking 12, 13 wins has to be that number for Maryland, just given those two losses, which I think will haunt this team the entire season. The UAB and the Davidson loss are not necessarily good. Davidson's looking a little bit better than UAB, and both teams look better than expected at the beginning of the season. But ultimately, a mid-tier AAC team and a mid-tier A-10 team's neutral site losses are yeah. not good. Yeah. I mean, being 0-4 in quad one and quad two games uh, going into mid-December, um, I mean, you're you're probably looking at Maryland has to finish top five in the Big Ten, right? I mean, like, I mean, because top five, and that, that's probably where, you know, 12, 13, I mean, that's probably yeah. – where where that gets you? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would think six Maryland has to get hot. I mean, they don't have a resume. I mean, they they yeah, it's uh, like right now. I mean, you can't even. They're not even like in bubble talk right now. Yeah, no. they're they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to really peak when the when the calendar turns to Gen One, and they'll have a great opportunity to because it's uh, it's Purdue right there. Yeah, n- no doubt. I mean, if you look at the league, and it might be a little bit early for this conversation, they need the win against Purdue. I, I think that that's, that's almost a non-negotiable being p- potentially at points during the conference season, the only ranked Big Ten team. That yeah. That's a realistic thought process at this point, especially with Ohio State's loss at Penn State, who was the second worst uh, net ranking team in the conference. Ahmed had an article about that on Inside the Black and Gold earlier today. So, you know, they're kind of out of it. They were starting to get some chatter, top 25, much improved team, most improved coaching job in the country. But then they dropped that game uh, where they had, I think it was like an 18-point lead that they blew uh, at Bryce Jordan over yeah. the weekend. You know, Iowa's not looking good right now. All those like mid-tier conference teams that had Indiana hasn't done much outside the conference and Maryland's already lost that opportunity. You just start to look at kind of what's left for you and – it's just not there. It, it yeah, really, no. really isn't. Yeah, and, and Jawan Howard still fighting allegations that he's striking assistants and strength trainers. I mean, yeah, it, uh, all's going looking good in Ann Arbor, and Michigan State's not looking good either. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's not looking good for the Big Ten. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a stretch at all to say, hell, I'll, I'll call the UCLA and Purdue games. I mean, both of those are are must win games. Um, I mean. I really think that if Maryland has another performance uh, against UCLA, like it did against Villanova, for example, you're losing a little bit of that fan base. Like it's going to take a Purdue win to kind of get some, some, some people back in. So, um, so we'll see, but again, you know, I think just for Maryland to be able to get back in the win column uh, against Penn state, I think that that's just kind of big, but um, we'll see chance to move the six and four, Starting at seven o'clock uh, on Tuesday night against uh, Alcorn State, and then they got Nickel State and uh, former assistant Tevon Sadler coming back to College Park. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw one thing out to wrap up the basketball part. Generally, if you're talking about must wins for the tournament on December 11th of the prior year of that NCAA tournament, you're probably not in a good spot to be making it. I- I'll just, yeah. I- I'll, I'll have to say that. That's just a matter of fact. If we're not, if it's not like February, and we're talking about, hey, we need a big road win. If it's December and you're saying that you're in a bad spot and, and, and you know it. And I think we all do. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, not, not what was expected at all from this team. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I think I, I, I firmly believe that it, um, and not just, not to say that it's a, a blame per se, but I think that it's, 
this falls on um, expecting more and not getting enough from the two freshmen. That's what it is. Um, and Dante Scott just struggling to kind of acclimate and whatnot. So that's kind of why you kind of have some hope and some optimism that, you know, maybe things kind of do turn around and you, you kind of do hit that stride. But uh, like, like you said, Mason, I, and I had to stop myself short of, of admitting that uh, I was Googling NIT bracketology earlier for that article. So um, for that, I apologize. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll leave it at NIT bracketology. Again, December 11th, talking about bracketology, probably not something that, that you want to spend too much time on. But hey, I think that just shows how much the two of us uh, cover these teams and, and do our research before doing the pod. Um, as Ahmed said, next eight days, it's prime Mike Loxley season. It's prime Maryland football season. Ahmed, of course, has all of the VIP info over on InsideTheBlackAndGold.net. Make sure to subscribe to it. Ahmed, anything else to add on the pod tonight? No, I think it'll be uh, stay stay locked in. It should be uh, exciting, you know, next seven eight days. So um, expect a expect a, a string a, a string of good news from Maryland. So um, yeah, uh, it should should be an exciting time. Yeah, make sure to like this pod where you get it. Subscribe to it where you can. And as always, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.